We didn't know where we were gonna eat, when we were gonna eat. We ended up becoming so malnourished that we were underweight severely. My brother started, he started selling drugs to pay for our food. I just think about other kids that are dealing with the same thing and it's, it hurts so much and like Jesus can help. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. I'm so thankful you're joining us today as we continue in this series uh, where people sit down and, and talk about their life and talk about the highs and the lows, um, talk about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. Um, So far, this has been an incredible series. We are more than halfway through. And so I just want to encourage you, if you are picking the podcast up today for the first time, um, we are so excited that you're listening. Make sure to take some time to jump back and listen to the other stories as well, because um, it really is the fullness of these stories and the fullness of the vulnerability of these people that makes this so great um, because it's not just one story and it's not just one experience. It's many of them. um, And it's a beautiful example of what God can do through the lives of many people. And um, I'm especially excited for our episode today. I am sitting down with uh, one of my friends, someone I've known since he was a teenager, Aaron. And um, Aaron was really like the first intern ever at Collective before we were really a church. Um, Aaron's heart for ministry and specifically um, lost people, Um, but really Aaron's heart for people who had experiences like him uh, is really what drew us together. And Aaron's going to share a little bit about that in a moment. Um, Aaron also serves in Collective Kids. He is um, one of the best hype men we have. (laughs) Um, My kids love him. There's this rumor going around with my child that Aaron doesn't know how to draw a snake. Don't know what that means, but she brings it up. I know, Elisa's like dead set on reminding me of that weekly. I know how to draw a snake. Uh, listen, you're going to have to prove you it. You draw an uh, S with a red <laughs> tail coming out of its mouth. It is, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So if you have kids in Collective Kids, um, specifically if they're in the warehouse on Sunday mornings, they know Mr. Aaron. They love Mr. Aaron. Um, but I'm excited for you to share part of your story today so that they can know a little bit more. Me too. And um, not just see you and, and, and experience you and, and know that their lives are impacted by you, but understand kind of the why. Mm-hmm. Because... Your life experience is why um, you serve children and why you work at a camp and why you serve in Collective Kids and and why you care so much really for this community as well. And so, uh, Aaron, we're excited for you to be here today and and sharing your story. Um, So let's kick it with the opening question that is the hardest opening question in the history of all podcasts. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Um, what was your family dynamic like and what was faith like kind of in those early years? That's that's a loaded question, as you know, Michael. Um, but 
I guess where I can start was I, I moved around a lot as a child, but where my beginnings of my childhood started was Columbia, Maryland. I had both parents in the house for a period of time, but after a while, my parents had gotten a divorce, I believe. I was, well, I was six, and I think my brother was eight yeah. or nine. It's a little hazy, because yeah. we don't really like to think about what happened in the past, but um, or like timestamps or anything like sure. that. But I think it was all right, you know, for me, because I was six and I was, you know, all I knew was Power Rangers and yeah. cartoons and stuff like that. Yeah. Most of the stuff was drowned out. We did go to church every Sunday. Yep. That was the main thing that we had as a staple in our life. Our dad made sure that we were in church every Sunday, regardless of what's happening, which I am very thankful for. You know, I got to be in the children's ministry. Sometimes I'd see my mom in the children's ministry volunteering and yeah. whatnot. So as a young kid... So, yeah, Jesus has always been, like, in our main, fr like, view. Yeah. He's always been there in our, in our house. Before the divorce, did you know things weren't well, right? You're six years old, which, you know, it, it's a tough age. And one of the things that people have brought up on this podcast who have had divorced parents or even parents who have wrestled with addiction or um, just kind of other struggles they talk about when they're kids, they know, but they don't know, right? You just yeah. feel something's off. Like, did you have that feeling? Bits and pieces come back to me in time yeah. because, you know, you kind of repress things as a kid that you don't remember. So every time somebody like asks me a question about it, I go, whoa, I didn't know yep. that I remembered some stuff. But in a sense, yeah, I remember my mom and my dad not living together at one point during the marriage itself. Okay. Yeah. I remember my mom taking my brother, my sister, and I to Florida while they were still married. And us living in Florida for like three months. Okay. And then we ended up coming back and my dad and my mom were living together again okay. in my grandma's house. That's when we actually started staying there. And then after that, you know, they'd argue a lot. Yeah. And then... I, I specifically remember the day my mom moved out. They're screaming at each other. My mom's packing up her her car. I don't know what type of car it was, but they're arguing, yelling all the way up and down the basement steps because they weren't even sleeping in the same room as each other. Yeah, It was that bad. Like my mom would be in the basement. My dad would be up in the upstairs in his own room. And it was like, come to find out the reason why. And I found this out later that um, she was actually leaving is because my mom had caught, sorry, my grandma had caught my mom bringing other men into the house wow. while they were still together. Wow, which kind of explains why, because um, this is rare, mm -hmm. but it explains why um, you and your brother ended up with your dad, mm -hmm. right? Like in, in a lot of scenarios, kids end up with their mom. And, and I don't even necessarily know if that's a normal thing. I just think that's what maybe our brains decide that yeah. like when there is a divorce they go to the mom yeah um but for you guys it was different you know your, your mom left right and she yeah. made a lot of decisions that kind of negated her ability to be your mom mm -hmm. and so there you are you're six years old your brother's eight and she's gone you know and i know your story so like i know that 
it's not like, and then we leaned into Jesus and it's been a hard road ever since. No way. It's like it immediately, it started bottoming out. Yeah, it could have, I think it kind of just all was bad at that point. My dad did what he could. He didn't have a degree, so he was working in places that he could work, like Staples and stuff like that. He'd even work overnight at like Royal Farms gas stations and then come home and wake us up for school and take us to school and stuff like that. So, but in the meantime, my mom like was in California or she'd come back to Maryland and we'd see her maybe once or twice a month. So that was hard. And I think what really, it didn't take effect on me immediately, or at least I wasn't seeing it take effect on me immediately. But as my brother and I were growing, I can look back and notice that it was definitely affecting my brother Yeah. because he's older and he had a bright, bigger perspective of what was actually going on. And so he just, he found all that um, anger. He had a lot of anger and a lot of rebellious tendencies and that ended up getting him in a lot of trouble. So as the years went on, he ended up getting in more and more trouble with authority figures, schools. It got so bad that I'm sure a lot of younger siblings that are listening to this, when you go to, when you graduate from your grade and you go to a new grade and you look exactly like your sibling, the teachers tend to say, if that sibling is really bad, yeah, that's... oh no, not another one. Yes, yeah. So yep. that's exactly what happened to me. As soon as I shot up to middle school, I got sat down by the principal and they were like, listen, we already had another one of you in here acting up. You're not going to do the same thing. So that's what ended up happening with my brother. For me, I clung more to my dad. I clung more to my dad and we had a good relationship. My relationship has always been stronger with my dad than it has been with my mom to begin with. But my brother kept doing crazy stuff. Yeah. And one day he got arrested for trespassing at a pool overnight. And he was hanging out with a guy who was like way older than him. He was 12 at the time, by the way. Um, And so the guy was actually somebody who dealt marijuana and other drugs. And so he got arrested by the cops alongside this guy. Luckily, he wasn't taken the juvie or jail or anything like that because it was his first offense of doing something so terrible but it was rough and so he had to do community service and my dad didn't know what to do he was getting more angry more frustrated and I think everything that my dad was dealing with at the time and everything that was going on in his life And my mom and the resentment that he has with my mom and the same vice versa with him, it came to a head. And so my dad would do some more extreme, like, you know, there's spanking and then there's worse than spanking. And so he did worse than spanking. Not to me necessarily. I mean, there was a couple of times, but like... To my brother, who was really doing the bad stuff. Yeah, he did worse than spanking. In the meantime, he was dating in the dating pool, but my dad had kind of turned his heart away from God. We'd still go to church every Sunday, but he was 
also at bars yep. trying to pick up women or he was trying to he was in relationships that were not good yep. so we had gone to las vegas with him and he was with his girlfriend and we spent the night at his girlfriend's house and they would go and do whatever they wanted and just hang out while you know the kids were together with the older they because the girlfriend had older siblings, yeah. like children as well so they were able to take care of us and babysit us and whatnot but during that time they got into a huge fight they got into a huge fight and i was so stressed out that i had an asthma attack that put me in the hospital for seven days wow i could have died if i hadn't gotten to the hospital maybe an hour sooner wow um so that I think was my dad's wake up call yeah. to what he was doing. Yeah. So he stopped dating for a while. Yeah. Prior to that, I actually there was another incident with another girlfriend that he was dating that I was petting I was hanging out with his dog and he was upstairs with his girlfriend and they were talking or whatever they were doing. Um but I was petting this dog and the dog is a small dog and it was up on a chair with me and it completely bit into my lip wow. and almost ripped my lip off. So wow. there was like two incident incidents where I was at the house that we probably should not have been at sure. and my dad was in a relationship that he should not have been at where I was injured or harmed yeah. in specific ways. And I think my dad, after the one where I almost died, was just like, nah, yeah. I can't keep doing this. Well, so How old were you? When the Vegas thing happened. The Vegas thing happened in fifth grade. Okay. So this is only a few years after mm -hmm. your mom left. Yeah. It's, it's really the spiral. Desire for control from your dad. It's him trying to figure out who he is. You know, it's struggling with things like insecurity and shame and brokenness. Yep. All the while, you know, it's, and this is some people share on the podcast a lot is when, when they are the ones making those decisions, yep. they're like, there's something missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to fill it with all the other things. Yes. And your dad is in pursuit of filling that void in his life, even right. though you're going to church. He, like, there's no, like, Jesus is filling that void. It's, is it women? Is it jobs? Is it stability? You know, and you guys as kids are kind of feeling the weight of that. Yep. And the consequence of that. But at this point, like you guys are still kids. Yeah. Right. And that's not all you're wrestling with. Right. Because I know one of the things that happened with you guys when you were younger was there's a lot of moving and a lot of, a lot of that stuff. And so were you still at Columbia at the time when you were in like fifth grade or had yeah. you already? Okay. When did all the, I mean, cause that, that, that's a lot of chaos. It is a lot of chaos. Yeah. But one of the things is like, there's even more. Yeah. So as you got older, you know, what happened? The next year was when we hung out with my mom and Jordan started confiding in like how he was being treated at home. And my mom took us to the courts and got custody of us. And she took us to Rockville. It was the last day of sixth grade, so. wow. And so I was taken from six, from Columbia up to Rockville, Maryland, where I spent the rest of my middle school period of time. But she had just gotten remarried, and that relationship was not good yeah. either. She was very toxic to the man who, for his privacy's sake, I won't even name. Yeah. But he was. She was very toxic to the man. She'd argue with him, lie a lot 
about the things he was doing when he needed a break from her. Just scream him down. And it was really rough. And in the meantime, I'm 12 now. And so, like, I'm trying to figure out who I am in middle school. And middle school is not a good phase for anybody. No, no. It sucks for everybody involved. So, like, we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. I used to not have a lot of clothes. So I would always wear, like, maybe the same outfit twice a week. And kids make fun of that. They notice everything about you. So I was weird. I had ADHD. I couldn't focus in class. I was loud and hyper. I had to go to special classes that they had me sit down and literally just do all my work there because they know I won't do it at home. Wow. So it was tough. And at home, I was dealing with my mom drinking and bashing my dad. She just went and laid into my dad. And after a while, you know, you're a 12-year-old kid. You start believing the stuff. You're, you want to believe the stuff your mom's saying. Sure. And you do. And so my mom and my brother, they're the ones that have the stronger relationship between the two of them. Wow. So he took everything he, that she said about my dad to heart and started lashing out even more. Wow. So my brother started drinking when he was... Actually, he started drinking when he was 12, when he was my age, and continued to do that. And he continued to smoke weed, and he continued to go out and party and do all these things because he was the cool kid in school. So, like, um, it was really rough because I did feel alone. I felt alone in my own house um, because Jordan was so angry, he would bully me. And he would... Like, beat me down if I touched his video game system, which we were supposed to share. Mm-hmm. He'd call me ugly. He'd make sure that I didn't have any self-esteem. And I know that he was just projecting all the things that he felt yeah. onto me because he doesn't have a good self-esteem either. Yeah. Because he was, like, in high school, dating people he was not supposed to be dating, staying up arguing with them and we shared a room yeah so i'd have to hear the conversations that and i'm like trying to sleep and he's arguing with his girlfriend yeah and punching holes in the walls there's i don't think there was a house that we stayed in together that there wasn't a hole from him punching it wow and in the meantime like i was trying to fill my own void and like trying to find some peace and that's how i actually got introduced to porn yeah is because in that time I was young and I really was looking for something that made me feel good. And I didn't know that I was looking for something that made me feel good, but I got introduced to that around the same age, 11 and 12, so. Anytime someone sits at the table with me and, and shares a struggle with pornography, which, you know, there's this statistic that's like, 96% 96% of men have struggled with pornography and I always joke that the other 4% are lying, right? Because I just, I cannot fathom any man not struggling with pornography mm-hmm. at some point in their life. And it's even worse now because of the accessibility. But one of the things I really want to point out is Aaron, you're talking about how when you were in middle school Yep. and um, I'm just going to cast a little vision for collective for a second if you are a parent of an elementary age kid or a middle school age kid or a high school age kid, if you wonder why we do collective the way we do it, where once they get into sixth grade, they're in the auditorium, this is one of the reasons why. 
And one of the worst things we can do as parents is think that our middle schoolers are not struggling with these things, right? Because right now, you know, we're a part of the way into the story. You're in middle school, your brother's in high school, but barely in high school, right? Mm -hmm. He's just a little bit older than you at the time. So he's what, like a freshman. Yep. And what you guys are going through and wrestling with already is pornography, drugs, alcohol, self-esteem, anger, all of these things that for some reason in the church, we decide are adult only things. Yep. But they start when we are younger and you and I have a lot in common in parts of our story where I have an older brother. We are very different. Um, We express ourselves in very different ways, similar to your brother, Jordan, where he made those decisions where I made, I I was a more quiet kid, like stayed in to myself. But for me personally, like middle school was when pornography became something that I learned about and would spend my time privately, you know, experiencing. And this is not just an adult issue. In fact, most of the time it begins when we're this age because we are searching for something, acceptance, belonging, love. Right now we know that that doesn't come from drugs Mm -hmm. and it doesn't come from alcohol and it doesn't come from pornography. But when you are that age, you're just searching for something. Yep. Right. So that's kind of what you and your brother are doing. You're doing it in very different ways. Yep. You know, he's kind of acting out. You're more kind of digging I'm yourself closed. into that hole. Yep. I'm private and I'm yep. not vulnerable at all. And I'm I'm hiding this stuff and I'm keeping it within myself. And so that just tur- took that turn where he's he's acting out. I'm acting in. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you guys moved to Rockville, because I, I know a lot of the church experience for you guys was driven by your dad. Mm-hmm. At this point... One, are you doing any sort of church-related things? The second thing is, when you are down in Rockville, do you have any connection to your dad? Because he's working all that, you know, like he was working multiple jobs and working through that. Like, mm-hmm. did you get to see him at all during that time? For a brief moment, we did. Um, while we were with my mom, whenever we were with my mom, we never went to church, ever. Instead, she was saying things like she's a witch, and was having us play with tarot cards yep. and do all of that stuff. And I don't know how that worked out too well for our family. Yeah. But in the same in the same sense, like we did go to see my dad a few times, but my dad was also getting held up in court by my mom sure. for child support, which he was paying. But my dad started a business of his own, a courier company that was doing very well for itself. And there was a time where my dad had a lot of cash and I saw all the cash that he was, you know, being able to take have. And I was like really proud of him in that moment because I had seen him struggle and be um, broke and yeah. not be able to take care of his family. And so I was very proud of him for what he was doing. He was living by himself at this time. He had a fleet of vehicles that he was able to work with in this business and he had employees and uniforms and it was actually doing real really well for himself yeah and so i go from his house to back to my house yeah i tell my mom that this is happening like wow dad's really doing such a great job right. by himself my mom immediately takes him back to court and tries to get everything she sure. can from him sure and all the time that he was in court cost him his business yeah so we stopped seeing my dad and not for his reasons, because he would have still seen us. Yep. But because my mom wanted that child support, she said, no, you guys can't go back to see him. Wow. And then she continued to bash yeah. my dad. In the meantime, my mom had gotten a divorce from okay. the, step, the stepfather. So he wasn't even in the house anymore. 
but she was still asking him to come give get us to go get haircuts and stuff like wow. that because my mom wouldn't do stuff like that for us. There were times like as we're growing and I get into freshman year of high school and even at, before freshman year of high school when the stepfather couldn't take us to go get haircuts, my brother and I would walk four to five miles to go get a haircut and walk back to our house. So we'd walk 10 miles a day just to go get haircuts because my mom wasn't around yeah. to help. And one of the things I know about your story is middle school was awful. Oh yeah. It was awful. But as you got a little bit older, your brother kind of started to like look out for you differently. Mm-hmm. It's not, not in a healthy way. He wasn't, it wasn't like he dropped all the other stuff he was doing. Right. But as you guys got older, you're still too young to be fully responsible for yourselves, clearly, because yep. you're kids. But there was a, that kind of turning point in your life that was like late, middle, early high school for you. And so it'd be late high school for him where you guys were kind of on your own. Oh, yeah. I mean, when my mom started going out herself, and I'm sure she had been and didn't sure, start. Yeah. I'm sure she had been doing that since we were there. Yeah, you're just not aware. But she stopped coming home at times she would stay out get drunk probably find a man i noticed that she did find a man a couple of times to hang out with and she'd stay stay out and she wouldn't come home and it'd just be me and my brother and my mom sometimes would get like so upset at my brother and i that she wouldn't she didn't teach us how to cook one and she wouldn't cook for us yeah and so we didn't know where we were going to eat, when we were going to eat. We ended up becoming so malnourished that we were underweight severely. My brother was like 110 pounds and he was like six foot yeah, one. And then my brother started having this. Like, he was like, no, we have to eat. So he started selling drugs yeah. to pay for our food. So I remember this one specific instance, we were hanging out with him and his, his friends. He went into a Taco Bell bathroom to sell weed to somebody. And when he comes out, and I'm in the backseat of the car. So when he comes out, he goes, I just got robbed at gunpoint for all my money and all my weed. Yeah. And that's scary. Cause I'm, I'm sitting back there and I'm thinking like, my brother could have not made it out of that bathroom. Yeah. He was maybe, 15, 16 at the time yeah. that that happened to him. And a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Like, especially in like lower parts of the city, like even in Baltimore, you, yeah. you know, a lot of kids that are dealing with the yeah. same exact thing. But like that happened to my brother. And I'm just like, of course, he would be angry at everything and everyone in the world. But my mom, she was not there a lot. And when she was there, she would get drunk and she would. She came into my room one night and like sat on my bed crying and telling me that I'm a good boy and this and that and like it's like three in the morning. Yeah. And like as a as a twelve year old, thirteen year old kid, you don't know what to yep. to do with that. Yep. Like how do you react to a situation like that? Along with like her bashing my dad and outright lying about yeah. things that he's done. And then she's like, oh, your dad's abusive. You know, he should have never put hands on you or anything like that. But there was this one specific instance that I was upset about her talking about how the fact that my brother and I don't 
clean. And I'm like, well, I clean. Jordan does not clean, my brother. Sure. sure. So I, I talked back to her in that instance, and she just hauled off and slapped me right in the face yeah. when I said something like that. And I was just like, how can you yep. be angry at my father for what he did to Jordan and then turn around and do the exact same thing, maybe even worse, sure. to me, who's not done anything wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I just want to remind people listening that, like, you guys are kids, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're not adults. You're you should not have been responsible for feeding yourselves. You should have not have been responsible for getting yourselves to school on time, for getting haircuts, for all of those things. And that is a lot for anybody to go through, let alone two teenagers. Let alone kids who are too young to actually work or don't have the capacity to work, which is what led Jordan to selling drugs. You know one of the things we know about your brother is especially now that he's done a lot of work and a lot of growth and he's trying really hard to kind of to work through all that past Mm -hmm. stuff was he did feel the burden to care for you as well because nobody else was he had to be my father figure yep at 16 yep and my dad wanted to be but he couldn't so like so how long were you guys in rockville for three years the reason why we had to move out of rockville was because my mom and my brother got into a fight one night and they were arguing with each other. I wasn't even there. I think I spent the night at a friend's house and I came home the next day and she told me about this, but they were arguing. My mom wanted to take my brother's phone. My brother said no. And so my mom threw his phone across the apartment and he was looking for it. He lifted up our treadmill, broke our uh, thermostat. And my mom was like, that's it, you're out. The next day I came home from my friend's house and she said, you guys are leaving. I'm dropping you off at your dad's house wow. because I just can't take it anymore. Wow. And I said, well, why do I have to leave? I didn't do anything. I didn't, you know, do anything wrong. Why am I going? And she says, you two are a package deal. Wow. So she packed her bags and trash cans or trash bags. Yeah. And I didn't really even get a chance to say goodbye to anybody. Yeah. I texted a couple of my friends and I was like, hey, I'm I'm leaving tonight. Like, I can't say goodbye to you. I, my mom's dropping me off at my dad's house. One of my friends, as soon as he got the text, ran a mile from his house all the way to my house wow. to say goodbye to me because he just didn't understand what was going on. Like, yeah. So she drops us off at my dad's house. By this time he was married to my stepmom, Lynn. Yeah. Lynn is the best thing that ever happened to this family, for sure. Lynn and I started gaining our relationship when we first were visiting my dad and her. Yeah. They saw how malnourished we were and yeah. like took us to a doctor and found out how underweight we were. And Lynn just was like, okay, I need to make as much food as possible. Yeah. And so we were ended up getting fed at that time. But when when you're told so many things about the other parent yeah and then your mom just drops you off to said parent all of these terrible things that this parent has done to me i was just like why would you send us back here if you think this person is so bad yeah and then jordan is like no this person is bad yeah and in the meantime he's still talking to my mom on the phone even though my dad was like we should probably cut off communication with your mom for a bit yeah because this is going to cause turmoil in this house so 
my brothers kept talking to my mom. My dad kept trying to discipline my brother and like talk to my brother and being like, you're in a new household. Yeah. You're not running around doing all the stupid stuff you were doing in the past yeah. here. I'm, I'm laying the hammer down. It's not happening. But Jordan didn't like that because he felt like his freedom was being taken away. Yeah. Things came to a head at that condo. Um, and my brother and my dad got into a fist fight in front of me and my brother got kicked out and he was only 17 years old. Yeah. That's the time that I pretty much became the only person living at home with my parents. Yeah. I stopped having a relationship with Jordan for a while and that was rough as well cuz you know you go from being with this person your entire life yeah. to not talking to them and seeing like the trajectory when you do see them that they're the path that they're going down it was really tough. And the thing is like Another thing that ended up happening, which I think saved me, was I think God gave me the wisdom to know what good friends to choose. Yeah. Because when I was younger, I was choosing people who liked to read and that were quiet and yeah. like nerdy like yeah. me. But he was out hanging out with people that liked to do all this rebellious stuff. And eventually, like, I became that person too, just in a different way. Yeah. We ended up moving from... Columbia to Rockville, back to Columbia, but a different school. I was in high school at the time now. I got bullied a lot for being small, for just being weird. I really expressed my, myself through dancing, though. So I, I started dancing, and I started being able to, you know, express the pain through that. And being creative was yeah. a very important part of my life, and it still is to this day. But... Primarily why I have such a big imagination now and I can like write stuff and I can actually like play Dungeons and Dragons and actually like be a DM that creates their entire lore is because I spent so much time in my childhood trying to get away from reality yeah. that that's became what I was best at. Yeah. So. Yeah. So when you move back in with your dad and Jordan leaves, mm -hmm. going back to the faith question, because your dad was the primary, hey, we're going to do some church stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you're in high school at that time, but like early high school, yes. right? like a freshman. What was faith like then? And this is going to sound very weird, but I was young and in middle school, and I started reading the Percy Jackson books. Mm -hmm. And I got really obsessed with the Percy Jackson books. So I was like, oh, maybe the Greek gods are real. Sure. And you're like, oh, maybe Zeus is real. Maybe Apollo's real. So like there's one side of me that would believe in Jesus. And then one side of me that was just like, well, maybe the, the Greek gods are real. Maybe this is actually how the world is. I wish the world was this way sure. rather than me being in the relationship, like me being this life in this world. And then we ended up moving back with my dad. And the first sermon that I go like to church at the old church that we went to, the first sermon that I hear was one about idolatry and how God is a jealous God. Yeah. And I was like, well, the Greek gods aren't real. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is definitely real because this message was immediately made for me. So, yeah. so like, I think um, when we ended up going back with my dad, my dad had found a new church that he was going to and his relationship with God was strong again. Um, and so he was able to to have that relationship that yeah. led my brother and I to actually get baptized about a year after we moved in with him. Yeah. And then my brother still was dealing with his 
inner demons and so was I. And so like we had the Holy Spirit, but it was still rough. Getting baptized is not going to change everything, as you know. Doing the work is is what really changes people. I wish, I absolutely wish that baptism, like, you know, for people who do get baptized, like they get out of that water and all the tension's gone and all the pain's gone and all the temptation's gone. Um, But really it's a, you know, while you are a new self, right? And and the Bible talks about like when you are immersed in water, it's the death of your old self, Mm -hmm. it's a raising up. And like, we need that in our lives. It doesn't magically make all the other stuff go away. What it, what it says is I'm a new person now. I'm a different person now. I am committing my life to Christ. And Christ goes, okay, let's get to work. You guys have been through so much in your life that while getting baptized is a huge decision and it's the right decision and, and you guys did the right thing to lean in there, what it really does, it just kind of pushes on all the other stuff though. Right. It's like, crap, like I'm struggling with idolatry or I'm struggling with pornography or mm-hmm. I'm struggling with self-doubt i'm struggling with anger like all these things and you know and your brother's on the other side going i'm struggling with addiction i'm struggling with anger and i'm and i you know baptism doesn't magically make that stuff go away now what it does do though is when you are public and you do commit to christ and you do experience that new life and you do receive the holy spirit is it's like all right like now you have the tools yep and the community to start working through those things because they never just go away um but like for you personally that baptism was a big deal because yes. like faith became a really major part of your life. It did. It was rough because when you get baptized, people tell you this is the moment where all the demons are going to come after you at this point because you weren't you weren't part of Jesus' team, so they weren't really worried about you yeah. until you get dunked in that water and then that's when the real trouble starts. And that's when the real trouble did start, to be honest with you. Like after Jordan got baptized, that's when the fight happened and that's when he got kicked out. And then when my mom dropped off Jordan and I, when we first moved to Wit in with my dad, she was supposed to go to court and say that I'm giving custody back to my dad so that my dad wouldn't have to pay child support anymore. Sure. She didn't show up. And she was able to take all the money and my dad ended up getting all of his wages garnished, hundred percent of his wages from the insurance company garnished so that my mom could get paid this child support for two kids that she doesn't even have yeah. under her wing anymore. So he stopped being able to pay his mortgage on his condo. He stopped being able to just pay for anything really. And we ended up getting kicked out. And so we ended up getting going and ended up homeless. And so I'm in high school trying to figure out like my own identity. I have no home. I can't help my parents because I'm only 14. I don't know where I can get a job or do anything. We're living out of hotels and bed and breakfasts. And it was really tough. Yeah. We still went to church and we got a lot of help from that church. And I'm very grateful for that church for helping us and so I don't know where we would be if they didn't you know give us money to be able to stay in our home and give us you know money to be able to like not our home but stay in a hotel not be in a car exactly yeah eventually my mom was talking my stepmom was talking to my dad said we should move to Frederick my stepbrother Ben owner of the company that he worked at was a was selling or renting out his apartment so 
he gave us that apartment for free. Wow. But God, our dad didn't want to move out of Columbia. Dad didn't want to go because that was his childhood hometown. Yeah. And he had a lot of good memories in, in Columbia and he wanted to stay in Columbia. But he was taking a shower one day and this is where God normally speaks to my dad is in the shower, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But I don't, I can't, you know, ask God why he does what he yeah, does. Yeah. But God said to him, he was like, you're, you're moving to Frederick. Like you're going to Frederick. In the meantime, we're, we launched an investigation to try and find my mom and nobody's able to find her. So we end up moving to Frederick and staying in this condo or this apartment. Lynn got a job at United Healthcare and was able to actually start taking care of the family while my dad tried to build his insurance business back up and, and work on that side of his business. And so we were actually being able to take care of ourselves. You do a lot for food insecurity and a lot of work with the Frederick Food Bank, the Frederick Rescue Mission, all of these things, all of these programs that help people that are in need. And the food bank was the main source of our dinner, our breakfasts and our lunches. And so we were very well taken care of while we were trying to build our family back up. So my dad, it goes to dollar store one day He's shopping around and then he goes to cash register and the person who's the cash register at the cash register is my brother. And he's like, what are you doing in Frederick, Jordan? And Jordan's like, oh yeah, I'm here with mom. Jordan was like, yeah, no, we live right across the street from this dollar store. We had been trying to track her down for like a year or two now. And so the fact that God had sent us to Frederick to move to Frederick and then end up finding our mom eight minutes away from our apartment is divine intervention if i can say the sure, least sure so we ended up being able to take her back to court and my dad ended up getting back child support on all of the wages that were taken from him so yeah. that was another good way that you know god looked out for us so moving to frederick was amazing high school got a lot better for me yeah. once i moved to frederick i was making friends i gained my own identity i met my best friend brad who to this day like i made a vow with him that we would never leave each other's like side we'd always be best friends for the rest of our lives and so that's that that's the type of relationships i was gaining in high school when i moved out here so i have a massive love for the city of frederick yeah. because of everything that's happened here yeah. The hard part is because my dad was so loosey-goosey when we were younger with his relationship with Jesus, and he course-corrected really hard. Yeah. And he became really strict with, because he didn't want me to end up like my brother, and he wanted me to have a strong faith in God. Yeah. It's understandable, and it must have been very terrifying for him. The rules that were placed on me were really harsh. And he also had a lot of resentment for the situation we were in because of my mom. Yeah. Because when we were in court, my mom had me come in, my brother and I come in and say what she told us to say in court. And that brought a lot of anger towards us from my dad. Yeah. Because my dad was angry at my brother and I for saying what we said in court, even though my mom directed us to. And so there was a lot of anger that my dad had built up. I can say that my brother has my dad's temper because he would be verbally abusive and emotionally abusive because he'd he'd make me feel like I wasn't a good Christian. He'd make me feel like I wasn't a good son, like I was ungrateful for the things that I got. 
there were a couple of times that my dad and I ended up getting into fist fights. Yeah. But I was taking martial arts and then like I could defend myself and I never hit him. I never yeah. threw a punch at him. Yeah. Because I would just flip him over and like constrain him yeah. so that he wouldn't attack me. But that was twice. And it was just rough because my dad's trying to figure out his own stuff. He's dealing with his own life. He's late 40s, early 50s at this point and doesn't have anything to show for his name. Sure. I can only imagine the pain, but it caused a lot of issues with our family. I still had my faith, but it wasn't strong. The hardest part about my faith is that I knew Jesus existed and God existed, but I was like, well, God, if you exist, why am I going through all the stuff yeah. that I'm going through? Yeah. And there were nights that I would pray. I would be like, God, please take me home. Yeah. I don't want to live on this earth anymore. I didn't cut myself. I didn't take any pills. So I didn't have any cries for help, really. But I was still suicidal. I didn't want to live. I was like, heaven's much better than earth. Why would I want to be here? Yeah. And it was really rough. And I prayed like that for a long time. It was hard. Yeah. It was very hard. Well, and up until this point, life for you has been unrelenting. And one of the things you've talked about in this podcast is, and and, I, and we don't really love the language of seasons because seasons imply that, you know, there's one really hard one, then mm -hmm. one really good one. Yeah. And like winter happens, but then there's the summer. And it's more like hills and valleys. Yeah. And that's really what it is. For you, the hills were few and far between, but it's almost like you were always in a valley and every once in a while there was a a peak in the valley, yeah. but it still was valleyed. Like it wasn't like this mountaintop where you're like, oh, mm -hmm. look at this beautiful, look at it all was this a things. Tough it was just like you're just down, and every once in a while, maybe you're not as down. Yep. And at, at this point, when you're a teenager, your late teenage years, your dad finally has some control. Mm -hmm. But what he did, what a lot of people do when they finally get a glimpse of that control, is they're like, I'm just going to control all of it. Yes. But at the cost of you yeah. and at the cost of your relationship with him, really like the ability to work through all the things. Like instead of working through everything, it was like, I'm just going to squeeze this thing as tight as I can to make sure it doesn't spiral out of control. So at this point in your life, you Jordan's gone. When you were in late high school, was he around? Kind of in the same sense of my mom was there from time to time. But so he ended up going to live with my sister. And I think my mom went down to okay. Greensboro, North Carolina as well. They're living down there at the time. So I didn't see him for a long time. Then he ended up going into the military. Yeah. And so yeah. he, I thought, wow, his life is looking up. Jordan tried to stay with us one last time before entering the military and going out there, but he tried to stay with us and it just didn't work out. My brother and him do not have that type of relation or did not have that type of relationship yeah. where they could be in the same room yeah. for or be in the same house for days, even weeks. They ended up getting into, by the end of that, another fist fight. Okay. So now they yeah. they couldn't live together. So so when what happens after you graduate? Like all these things that are better than they have would have been or had been, yeah. that doesn't mean all of a sudden it's like, this is fixed. Before I met you and the church, and before I knew that the church was even being launched, I had just gotten out of the worst relationship I had ever been in. And that's the one where I lost my virginity. Yeah. That's the one where I ended up arguing all the time about stuff, 
because I didn't know how to handle conflict. Because all the conflict that I had dealt with growing up was just yelling. Yeah. There were no healthy arguments whatsoever in my house, ever. So I was toxic for the person I was dating. And I noticed that I had the same anger that my dad has. It's just bottled down. I If you see me in person and like talk to me outside of the podcast or talk to me, I'm a very happy guy who likes to crack jokes all the time. Yep. And that's that was a defense mechanism against all the the pain that I was feeling from everything happening. I'd rather have fun and joke around and and have you know happy times than deal with sadness. Because if I'm dealing with sadness, my mood will go down immediately, and I'll just be like, this this is another issue in my life that is happening because I, my entire life's crappy. Yeah. So that's what happened in that relationship. So I ended up getting out of that relationship. Then I don't know, it might have been you who followed me on Instagram or somebody was using the Frederick Project sure. as the Instagram that yeah. followed me on Instagram. And I was like, there's a church launching in, in Frederick. This is insane. And so I brought it to my dad and then dad and you had you know, lunch. a meeting, a lunch. Yeah. And then I walked up, I was, I was at the comic book shop while yeah. you were guys yeah. having this. Yeah. So, I got to meet you and I became an intern and life was so good for me in that moment. I felt like I was actually becoming the person I was meant to be yeah. when I became an intern. Well, and part of that too is because we didn't know mm -hmm. all the other stuff and it's not because you were hiding it, but it was really an opportunity for something new. Yeah. Um, but Aaron does a whoo because, you know, it was, uh, I think we met and maybe... I don't even can't remember. It was like February that year. Yeah. And we started to build this team, um, started to try to figure some stuff out. And it was about six months later, your dad and I really just got to a point where it was like, we are not on the same page. No. And it's very well known that I am a confrontational person. Um, your dad is a confrontational person. So we had a confrontational conversation. Um, but one of the biggest things that came out of that, I think for both sides, specifically with your dad was, the church you guys were going to had really been good for him. Yeah. And it had been good for Lynn. Mm -hmm. And while the desire to seek and save lost people was high and it's still high in your depth, yep. like that's never debated. It was a new place for him and he wasn't ready for a new place. Yeah. And so while you're looking for new identity, new purpose, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things in church planning is in the beginning, they tell you like, Hey, meet everybody. But you have to be careful because oftentimes you do meet people in church planning who are like trying to steal the vision yep. and, and it's weird. And so we're still in the early ages and your dad had worked really hard at the other church to find a good serving role and mm -hmm. to mentor young people. Yeah, and at sure. Collective, it was like, hey, man, I don't know you. Yeah. And um, he realized, oh, man, it's that other church has been really good to us. And I, miss, and I remember one of the things he said was like. He, he called it home. He goes, I, I need to go back home. And I was like, okay. And it kind of was this weird thing where going back to the other church was actually good for your dad, but not good for you. Not at all. And in fact, it sometimes wasn't even good for my dad. We weren't as connected as we were when we first started going there. There were times at that church that I was just standing in the lobby of the church and no one would say a thing to me. Sure. And I had been there for nine years. 
I had given, you know, I'd done choreography at the church for the kids' ministry. The kids are still doing my dances to this day at that church. I was the worship leader in the kids' ministry. I was doing, I was the large group leader. Like, the kids really knew me, and I was a very big part of it. And I'm not saying that to brag. I say, I'm saying that because God used my talents for his good. And I'm happy about that. But it's also like, where were the friendships that I was supposed to be making? Sure. Where was the family that I was supposed to be building outside of my own family? Where was the identity that I was supposed to be having? That's what I was finding here when I was at Collective during my internship. I was hanging out with Nick, yeah. the other the yeah, other internship intern. at the yeah. time. And he was great. Like he was he was my roommate. He was in our house. And so I was hanging out with you all the time. Yep. Like we'd go out to eat and we'd we talk and we'd we'd we bonded a lot. And all of that was taken away from me. And that really sucked. Like, that was heart-wrenching. Like, to this day, it's still, there's still a sting of, like, uh, CT. CT was going to be my spiritual mentor. Yeah. I was so happy about being here. I even said that I'd meet my wife here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I had a strong feeling and all of that was ripped away from me. I understood why, why we left. But it's also like, we could have worked through that. I wanted to make the decision to be on my own and like go to a church that I wanted to go to. But during that time, my dad was very authoritarian and he said, if you don't do what I want you to do, you can get out of my house. Yep. And that was everything. Yep. And I didn't have a place to live. I didn't even have a job that would be able to afford rent or anything like that. So eventually you guys, you go back to the one church and your dad starts to feel this pull toward ministry mm-hmm. and we're not going to talk a lot about that but eventually you guys move yep and you get ready to start a church yep during covid yes which which you know the cards again are stacked against what you guys. a way what a time to try and launch a church it's right? impossible yeah um but we'd moved into this building after covid we'd only been here for a little bit and your dad reaches out and we'd been connected through church planning stuff yeah. and we'd talked since then and you know, he kind of sends this email. I was like, hey, can we come visit Collective? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a launch team, which is like that team that you build, which is what you were on at Collective. Yep. And um, you're dating. I was, Naomi yeah. Naomi at the time. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a really good relationship. Mm-hmm. She loves Jesus. I love her. You love Jesus. Yes, I do. You guys have been working through some of your stuff together. Mm-hmm. She's somebody who you very much feel safe with. Absolutely. Um, and you guys come to Collective one Sunday, and you guys go to church, and we show you around. I meet Naomi for the first time, and after church, you're, you you pull me aside, and you're like, I feel so safe here. Naomi and I are trying to do it right. You were very honest. You're like, we're not fully doing it right. No. But we want to do it right. We don't, we don't know what to do, and we don't know where to go. And one of the pressures you'd been feeling was a lot of pressure that that you felt your entire life, which is you were in this role with your dad in a church plant and you're like, I can't carry this weight. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't like, I'm, I feel like God wants me to do ministry, but man, I'm not in that place. And so you and I had a really good conversation and I told you, um, Hey man, like if this is the church that's best for you and Naomi, like you, this is a church that you can always be a part of. And it wasn't telling you peace out on mm-hmm. your dad. It was just saying, man, I, I know it's been five years, but we'd love to see you again. And you had to do some wrestling and some hard conversations. The hard conversations were tough because in the midst of that, I had told you about the the big old argument that my my dad and I had about me. Like, 
I was visiting my my girlfriend at the time, and I couldn't make it back yeah. home through a thunderstorm. And my dad had this whole thing about if you're dating somebody, you have to have a chaperone there at all times. Yeah. If you're even alone at any point in time, that's horrible because you could sin immediately. And what did that do? That immediately turned us to the opposite direction to do everything that sure. he said that we were going to sure. end up doing. And so what ended up happening is that day I was going to go home, but it was raining way too hard. And I called him. I was like, hey, they're offering me to sleep in the basement. Everybody sleeps upstairs. So I'm going to spend the night in the basement here because it's too dangerous for me to drive. It's 11 o'clock at night and it's raining so hard. And it was like, you were supposed to be home an hour ago anyway. And I'm, I don't live with this man at this time, yeah. by the way. I'm in my own place. And so we got in a full-blown argument. I was just like, I can't be on your staff anymore, man. I can't deal with all this legalism and you trying to create not even rules, but like barriers for me to have to stay within and and not be able to do things for my own myself. It's it's hard. Like I can't do this. And so we got into that big old fight on on FaceTime and he said he that I wasn't his son anymore. So we ended up having a hard conversation about that after you and I spoke. Yeah. I told him everything that I had done in my life. I told him I'm not blaming him for what I did, but I'm telling him that there's reasons as to what led me towards those choices. Sure. And after a while, like he apologized to me, yep. but there was a time where I did I moved even further away from him. Yeah. And so what had happened was I stopped talking to them all together for a little bit. Yeah. My dad was wrestling with things, Naomi and I Naomi and I were still dating. We could see each other more often because I had control of my relationship at that time. Like a couple months later, we ended up going out to eat with my dad and Lynn. And so we, I was apprehensive about going out to eat with them. And then I was just like, after the dinner, we were like, oh, wow, that was a lot easier than I thought yeah. it would be. And so our relationship just started getting built, yeah. built from there. And it's, I saw God working in him, yeah. truly. I saw the change yeah not only him but lynn as well because she always backed what dad said sure. because as a, like she's a good wife sure. she's supposed sure. to do that yeah. yeah so it was like a year later after we even got married like naomi and i that dad and we were all at their house and dad looked at like stared out into space and he was just like i'm so sorry for what i did yeah i'm so sorry like i think about it a lot yeah and so like we have a great relationship now I have a great relationship with my dad and my stepmom. Yeah. Um, Jordan's back in my life. Yeah. He's doing really well for himself right now. I'm so proud of him. And, you know, I have this, I, like, life couldn't be better now. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy. I have a great job that is serving the ministry, you know, at Shepherd Spring Summer Camp and Retreat Center. <laughs> yeah, there's the plug. There's the plug. <laughs> yeah. Come out during um, June 18th is our first camp week. Anyways, I'm immensely grateful to be able to see what I see now and look back on what I was going through. Yeah. Because a lot happened and I'm grateful for Naomi because I also had that unhealthy conflict with her. But she told it to me straight. She was just like, 
I'm trying to support you, but I can't be your therapist. Yeah. I can't be the person that you're lashing out at and be angry all the time and also try and pep talk you when you're feeling down and you're saying life sucks and all this sucks. So I was just like, I love this woman way too much to not try to do therapy. Yeah. I went into therapy, almost immediate change. I stopped having panic attacks. Like I haven't had a panic attack in so long. It's been maybe a year now. Yeah, It happens occasionally, but sure. like it's a long span of time. Yeah, I know God sent her so that one, I could be free not be ashamed when I do sin, like I can give that guilt up and not be in a circle and cycle of sin. And so I'm so grateful for her and grateful for God. And it's just, now we're just working on life together. And that's amazing. One thing I love about your story, and Aaron, you're young, you are 25 Mm -hmm. years old. You've lived a full life already. (laughs) You know, you've, you've had that kind of a lot, but Faith has been a part of your life. Mm-hmm. You didn't get rid of it when things got really hard. Even your brother's trying to figure that out. Like it's been rooted in Christ. Not perfect, but like the foundation was yeah. always that. Right now you're in this season where you guys are seeing the fruit of that, where probably for the first time in your life for the past year to two years, your dad is your dad. Yes. Right? He's not that guy. Nope. That you know, married your mom. He's not the guy that's in charge of you. He's legally or just, you know, even parentally. And you and your dad have found restoration because one, you know who Jesus is, but two, like you both have healed to the point where it's like, man, I'm your son and you're my dad. Yep. Let's just be that. This podcast actually is coming out in the middle of our, our series geared toward men called Game Changer. And one of the things that I've talked about is the fact that like a lot of us are longing for that. Mm-hmm. Not all of us get that. That's true. You know, and when you get it, it's freeing, but you can't live in the space of, of not having that. But you have that, you know, your faith drove you to finding a woman who loves Jesus because it would have been really easy for you to just find someone who loved you because that's what you wanted. But you found somebody who very much was like, hey, Jesus is a priority in my life. And that comes first. And it does again, doesn't mean it's perfect. You guys are both still, you know, working through a lot mm-hmm. of things. You know, your story is one where it's like, oh yeah, like Jesus is the center of these things. But man, to get here, it was, you know, pure Psalm 23, Jesus leading me through the valley of 20 years plus of my life. So right now, if you could describe what your relationship with Jesus is like, what would it be like now through everything that you've been through? I'm more trusting in Jesus than I've ever been. All of the, the pain and heartache that I went through and struggling, it's just another way to be able to tell a story that can help somebody else. And that's what I'm grateful for. I am immensely grateful that I can be in a position having such a hard childhood to help kids that are going through the exact same thing. And it's like, if I had a bingo card, I would have gotten bingo firsthand Dude, ten of, times. of the of the stuff that I had gone yeah. through. Yeah, the hand you were dealt. Yeah. Is, <laughs> yes. You are very much the winner of yes. that terrible game. So, like, oh, there's a m- multitude of things that I could yeah. help a kid. And I just, I just think about other kids that are dealing with the same thing. And it's, it hurts yeah. so much. And, like, Jesus can help yeah. guide you through that. So, yeah, it's one of the reasons why Collective Kids is so wonderful is that there are 
people just like you who serve back there, give up a ton of their time, not just to have fun with kids. Yeah. Right. And we, and we know collective is a very unique church where there are kids back in that space who have had similar childhoods or experiencing similar childhoods. Their parents are struggling with divorce or they don't know where their parents are. And you know, when you're a church for lost and broken people, lost and broken people show up and God is taking what you have been through and putting you in a place where you can be stability for kids, which is what you longed for. And I can confidently say that for our kids back there who are going through hard things, it will not be as hard because they have people like you. You know, you talked about when you were going through all these things in your life, you like you created these stories in your head, which is why you love Percy Jackson, why you love, you know, fantasy things, why yeah. you, you do Dungeons and Dragons. What's crazy though, Aaron, if you had to write your own story, it would feel like fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, because it wasn't one hard thing. It was twenty years of hard things and now all of a sudden you're on the other side of it going, Hey, I'm gonna help other people where they don't experience that. You know, our job as a church and my job as a pastor isn't to like try to create this bubble around people to where no bad things happen. Because like you said earlier, life is life. Bad bad things happen. But it is to help people understand where to turn when bad things happen. It's to help people understand that they're not alone in in the struggles that they have or the pain that they have. Um, And so we always, you know, one of the questions we end with is, okay, so what advice do you have? Because there are people who are listening who are going through this. So what advice, what wisdom would you give those of um, those people who are listening today? For the first, I want to talk to the parents. I know I'm not a parent, but you have things that you need to deal with yeah. that are affecting your children in ways that you do not know, that you're dealing with from your own parents that you might not even know about. I would give you the advice to seek some introspection and reflection on that and really try and least try out therapy. Yep. And talk about your issues with somebody that is trained in that so that you're not accidentally taking it out on your kids. Yep. Because they're going to mimic you in ways that you have no idea that they would mimic you. Yep. And then to the children, it is so hard right now. I know. It is. And you can listen to this podcast and hear a voice on a recording tell you that it's going to be hard and completely just ignore that because everybody says that life is hard. But do not give up. Do not think that you're not going to be able to answer for your own things one day because you are. You're going to have to do some work yourself to make sure that you're a good person. Nobody else is going to do it for you. If you haven't figured that out now, you will figure it out eventually. It does take work to be good and it takes work to have good things happen. But if you trust Jesus and if you and you stay true to trusting Jesus, it will work out. I promise you. You just have to put in the work as well. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's so important that people understand that following Jesus does make life better. But that's because the better is giving us the tools and the community and the wisdom and the guidance and the support and the grace to get us through the battle. Yes. You know, it's not that following Jesus takes away all these things. Um, And your story is testament to that. Yes. One more thing to children. Make sure that the people you surround yourself with are people that you think make good decisions. Because you will also make the same decisions as them. Yep. 
eventually or not. There was a time in my life where I was hanging out with the wrong crowd of people and I ended up doing stupid stuff. And you're going to look back on your life and be like, oh, that wasn't a good friend group if you do choose them. Um, So definitely have the wisdom now as teenagers, as elementary schoolers and middle schoolers to find friends that are going to help you succeed in life. You don't want to give up those relationships and nobody ever does unless they fully figure out that they're not happy in those relationships. But those relationships could be very toxic for you at the same time. So sometimes you have to say you have to cut people off and say, no, I'm going to go find another group. So. Definitely try that. Yep. Yeah, Aaron, that's wonderful. And and you've, you know, your life experience has shown you both sides mm-hmm. of that, you know, and the people that you're surrounded with now are the right people and they're, and you know, they're the right people because they're yep. encouraging you to heal and they're encouraging you to go to therapy and they're yep. encouraging, you, encouraging you to lean in to your faith. All right. So last question, you know, we, we end every podcast episode the same way. We ask people to share um, one or two of their favorite Bible verses. And this could be a verse that kind of carried you through a season, or maybe it's the verse right now where you're like, man, this is what I hold on to. But if there was a Bible verse or a few verses that you'd share, what would they be? So this is one that my dad taught me when I was younger because we were going through a lot. And I still keep it to this day because it is strong and powerful and everybody goes through this. And it's hard to do at first. It's very hard to do in the moment. But when you take a step back and you actually put this into action, it makes things a lot better for you. And it makes you stronger and wiser. And it is James 1, verses 2 through 4, where it says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that's what we discussed like during these Your Story Matters podcasts. Everybody that is on this podcast is going through something that is considered a trial or temptation. And the reason why they're so willing to be able to speak on that is because they've learned from their problems. And they're happy that they went through it in a sort of sense yeah. because they can tell other people with the wisdom that they gained from those bad experience experiences how to navigate that yeah. now. So, yeah. yeah, and it says uh, the perseverance of faith, like this idea that your faith is stronger now, yeah. and that brings joy. The really hard things that come in the future don't feel as hard. They don't feel as painful, and they don't sink us back to that same spot when we've gone through those trials with Jesus the right way. And, um, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our friendship. I am lucky enough to have known you for a long time. And so I get to see who you are now, who you were there. Then I get to see, you know, this, this growth and the man you are is the type of man that this church and this community, um, and really this world desperately needs. And it's not a perfect man, Um, but a man who's honest and vulnerable, pursuing Jesus every day. And, you know, you see that in your marriage, in your career, in your life. And so who knew six years ago (laughs) that we'd be sitting at this table having this conversation. But I'm so thankful that that, that this is where we are right now. So Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today on the Your Story Matters podcast. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks.